now. Back to Sports 56 Morning. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 805 The Time. Welcome in if you're just tuning in. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you on this Monday, October 23rd, 2023. Hour two of the program. We are in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. As you get your new work week get uh, started, 59 degrees currently if you leave your house in the next few moments. We're looking at a high today, though, of about 82 degrees. Sunshine mixed with clouds. Tonight, a few clouds and a low of 67 degrees. Second hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick. On the web at GaddisJewelers.com, every Monday and Friday, they bring you the Memphis Sports Fact. Did you know that the Memphis 901 FC season came to an abrupt end on Saturday with a first-round playoff loss to Louisville? The match was settled with PKs after 120 minutes. Couldn't break a tie. It was a third successive playoff season for Memphis 901 FC. James Gaddis Jewelers, they are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters, but for all terrific jewelry with the holidays just around the corner, for watches of all types, custom-made jewelry, gemstones, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, pendants, so much more, it's James Gaddis Jewelers. Layaway and financing available, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. First hour, we talked a lot about the devastating news for the Grizzlies, the Stephen Adams season-ending injury. We did talk some Major League Baseball playoffs with the NLCS Game 6 today and Game 7 in the ALCS tonight. And then we started to get into college football at the end of the hour with the Memphis Tigers roaring back for a 45-21 win over UAB. Eli, when you look at the standings in the American Conference, and this is just three games in to conference play, but a little over halfway through the season, it's the teams that we expected to be at the top at the top. Tulane, SMU, UTSA are all 3-0, and and then the Tigers are 2-1, and as is Rice and Florida Atlantic, a pair of owls. But the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken, they were picked, what, fourth or fifth? They were fourth, I believe it was, amongst yeah. the, 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 those top four. I think they had the other three in front of them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they won't play Rice. They won't play Florida Atlantic. They won't play UTSA, who's in front of them. They will play SMU, and that game is going to be huge as long as the Tigers can take care of business. The next few weeks, you got a road game at North Texas. Again, a North Texas team that, that's pretty good. They're 3-4 and four overall. And you have a game against South Florida. South Florida rallied and beat Connecticut over the weekend. But it's, the, it's those teams that we expected to be there that are right there at the top. You had UTSA beating Florida Atlantic 36-10 to in Boca Raton. I mentioned SMU on Friday night destroyed Temple. 55 nothing, And Tulane, tough one against that North Texas team, winning 35-28. to Some of the highlights from the American Conference this past weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of bad defenses in the conference. Um, North Texas is one of them. It's a team, again, um, that you should be able to score a lot of points against. It, they're better than UAB, um, but it's a team that you can't afford to lose to. This was a game in the preseason. This was the other game I picked the Tigers to lose. I think it's, it could be a tricky game, but it's a team in the, in the bottom 10 in the country in points allowed. 
Um, you should be able to go down there offensively, have another good day, and you got to get out of there with a win. Bottom line, you got to you got to beat these teams. It's interesting, North Texas, as you mentioned with the the defense, they've given up 248 points overall, but in three conference games, they've only given up 76. Now that's not great, but it's not a disaster. Tulane in three games has given up 72, but SMU in three games has given up 26 points in conference play. Less than nine a game. Helps when you play Temple. Helps when you play Temple and some of the worst teams in the conference. Temple, Temple's legit one of the worst teams in the country. If you're wondering, the Tigers threw three in conference play, two wins, one loss. They've scored 94. They've given up 76. And overall, through seven games, five and two record, they've scored 249, and they've given up 159. All right. By the way, I want to correct something I said earlier. Okay. When Steven Adams originally got hurt, it was not announced as four to six weeks. It was announced as three to five. <laughs> Even worse. Huh? They thought. <laughs> there, when he got hurt in January, the original thought was he might be back in three weeks. Could be back in three weeks. Instead, two years. Instead, it'll be 21 months at least. And we don't before know. Before we see him in another regular season basketball game. And we don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back. Again, when you read the press release... It's always the uh, the obligatory expected to make a full recovery ahead of next season. Well, we'll see. He was expected to be we'll, back we'll in never, three. We'll he, never know. He but. was expected to be back in three to five weeks. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't get any information uh, on it. Expectations change, obviously. <laughs> I, it's like, I, I, that's like unbelievable. I still can't even fathom that three to five weeks turned into at least 21 months. Yeah, we, we took some, uh, well, actually nobody called, but we had a ton of text in that first hour. If you want to comment on on Steven Adams, on the Tigers, college football, NFL, hit us up on the Sports 56 listener lines. You can text in at 901-360-8255. I mean, at this rate, I'm expected to see Steven Adams in a couple of years doing a Morgan & Morgan commercial. <laughs> all right, in the SEC over the weekend, some interesting results. First of all, Tennessee and Alabama. Third Saturday in October, the battle in Tuscaloosa. Tennessee's up 20-7 to at the half. They're looking fantastic. The tide outscores Tennessee 27 to nothing in the second half. So Tennessee either took a siesta or Alabama made some great adjustments because uh, Joe Milton couldn't uh, find the ocean from the pier. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't defend. It's not like Milrow went crazy, but Alabama certainly played great on defense, did enough on offense to win 34-20. to so they continue to have just the one blemish on their record. Yeah, I don't even um, – I really don't I, – I don't understand either half. I couldn't believe what Tennessee did in the first half um, offensively and the way they just played overall and kind of went down there and took the crowd out of it and everything else and then have no clue what happened in the second half. <laughs> I'm just like – I watched it, but I just like I don't, I don't even understand what's happening here. Like Tennessee just – Look like a completely different football team, and yes, I know they they got a bad, couple of bad calls. There were the, the one defensive holding call was terrible in my opinion, but there's no excuse for not scoring a single point. And I know Josh Heupel. People are complaining about Josh Heupel going for a couple of fourth downs. Dude, you got to be able to score a point in the second half of that game. Bottom line, you got to take have, chances. You have to be able to score a point in the second second half of the game. I don't know if it was Josh Heupel got conservative. Is that you're with that lead and they were just trying to hold on to the lead to start the second half or what? I don't know what happened, but they look like a completely different football team in the second half. Is it as simple? Is it as simple to say with the Vols this year compared to last year? Is it's Joe Milton that's not Hendon Hooker? End of story. 
There's no. I mean, good. Listen, he's he is not Hendon Hooker, but I mean, the the throw he made on that first touchdown was. You can't throw it any better no, than that. He, like that's he, that's he, perfect. He certainly uh, has the ability. He's just not. He doesn't yeah, have the consistency. The thing is, when they can't run the ball, which they normally can, but mm-hmm. they can't run if they get stopped in the running game, putting it on him. And again, he do, also doesn't have Jalen Hyatt. Like there's there's a lot of other things sure. that, that go into this, but. Sure. Just putting the game into his hands, it is not easy for him. And give Alabama credit, man. They just they keep finding ways to win these games. They're they are not a pretty football team. Um about you know, they're nowhere near what they have been. But Nick Saban, they just keep finding ways to win some close football games and do what they've got to do. And now suddenly they're back in the top ten in the country and Theoretically, they're still in line for a possible trip to the playoff because they keep finding ways to win these games. It's interesting. We've talked about two college football games from this weekend, this past weekend so far, and both games were identical in the sense that the team played terrible in the first half, got outplayed, and then completely took away anything that opponent was trying to do in the second half. I'm talking about Memphis, UAB, Alabama, UT. Mississippi State and Arkansas played more like Iowa and any team – from the Big Ten West, 7-3. And because of that, and in wake of that, and from everything that happened this year, Dan Enos, the offensive coordinator for the Arkansas Razorbacks, fired yesterday by head coach Sam Pittman. The Razorbacks lose their sixth straight game. There was 405 total yards in the game. Mississippi State 205, Arkansas 200. But Mississippi State got a touchdown. They hold Arkansas to a field goal, and they get a W at Razorback Stadium. Arkansas fans, bless your heart. I can't imagine watching that game. I can't imagine being at that game. They scored on their first drive. They scored, they kicked the field goal on their first drive of the game and didn't score again. (laughs) It was like 12 and a half minutes ago in the first quarter they kicked that field goal and did not score another point. I don't. That's impossible. I've always said in sports, I don't care what sport it is, if you're going to lose, entertain me. I want to see home runs. I want to see runs in baseball. I want to see a lot of points in basketball. I want to see dunks. I want to see a high wire axe. And in football, I want to see scoring. Three isn't cutting it. This isn't, Mississippi State didn't recruit Georgia's defense from two years (laughs) ago. I don't believe so. Like this is, like this isn't some great defense that nobody scores against. I don't even, I, I don't, I, I can't, seven to three. Said so going in that this is the game, like, been said, like this, you could see this whole thing. You knew the four-game losing streak was going to be there. Problem for Arkansas and Sam Pittman is, is they lost the bread. They, you knew the meat of the sandwich was all losses. They lost the bread. They lost BYU before it, and now they lose Mississippi State after it. And I just don't, you knew Enos would be the f- scapegoat. So that long time ago that if it gets bad, that for the very least it's mm-hmm. going to be massive staff changes. Like you're going to have to get rid. You, you have to get rid of a bunch of guys. Do you think that's a Eurocheck call or was that simply a Pittman call? I think it's probably Pittman understanding. Like I've got to do something because okay. I'm in trouble. Like it, it's he's like the, he's I, at this point. I think probably most of the fan base he has lost. Right. Um. Because it's. And the thing too is like you always like if they lose the Mississippi State game, it kind of will end up part of it could be how do they lose the Mississippi State game? I was thinking more like 
You can't get blown out by Mississippi State. Well, this might be worse than getting blown out. Putting up three points in a game at home, like again, against a defense that's not like some world beater, that might be even worse to try and do. So somebody had to go. I don't know if Pittman can survive this or not. I don't, it, this is just. He's so likable. That's the issue. He, right? He's, he's <laughs> great. Just, but if he was a jerk, it'd be a lot easier. But this has turned into, and again, they're always good enough to play close games. In any way, they'll find a way to lose a close game no matter what form it takes. If they give up 34, they'll score 31. They score. They give up seven, they'll only score three. Like, they're just good enough to figure out a way to lose a close game. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I like Sam Pittman a lot, but my, oh, my, that thing has turned into a train wreck. Elsewhere in the SEC, Missouri over South Carolina 34-12. The Gamecocks have taken a step back from last year. I'm glad that I saw Missouri uh, firsthand, and I thought to myself, that's a really good football team, and I wasn't wrong, as they are now 7-1, and one, one of the stories of the SEC this year. You had LSU obliterate Army. I'm not sure why they're playing, but LSU won 62-0. And then finally, Ole Miss and Auburn. The Rebels going up against Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze against his former team, the Ole Miss Rebels. And Ole Miss wins on the road 28-21. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but man, Ole Miss just keeps winning football games. Jackson Dart, 246 total yards of offense. He had three touchdowns. Remember that stupid uh, text or tweet I read on Friday about that guy that said, Lane Kiffin should never be hired for even a high school job if uh, Ole Miss loses. Shut up. I don't care if they lost that game. It's still the dumbest comment I've ever heard. But they won the football game. Lane Kiffin continues to win football games. So uh, Ole Miss is in a in, in a good situation. Now they got some tough games, obviously. They got to finish strong, but they're in a great position. Maybe get in there as a, a New Year's Six uh, team in a major bowl once again. Yeah, they they you know. They weren't able to beat Alabama, and they can't seem to get the help they need from other teams to beat Alabama to get into the SEC championship game. But um, they're in a very good spot to go to a, a big-time bowl. Um, they Auburn's just it's, it's Auburn's just not good enough offensively. No. They, they just don't have— Give them time. Jarquez Hunter's good, but their, right. their quarterback position just isn't good enough for them to be able to win these types of games. They just, they need a quarterback. Um, they need more dynamic players on offense. Um, and don't you think you'll get them? I think Hugh will I'm sure he will. I mean, it's Auburn and it's, and Hugh Freeze is usually done pretty good offensively. So I think they'll be able to, but this team, they, they, they can fight and they can play hard and all that. And they can keep games close. They're just not dynamic enough offensively to be able to do things. They, you, if you, if they need a big drive late in the game, I have no faith whatsoever belief they're ever going to be able to do it. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, LSU and Alabama are going to play. Ole Miss has already beaten LSU. They've lost Alabama. Let's say LSU beats Alabama in Tuscaloosa, which is possible, right? And they beat Alabama last year. They beat them at home last year. But Alabama would have one loss. They'd be 5-1. LSU would be 5-1. Ole Miss right now is 3-1. But let's say they all had one loss. How do, what's the tie break? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. I don't remember what the three-way tie break, how that works. Ole Miss has left on their schedule. I'm trying to pull this thing up. They got Vanderbilt this weekend at Bald Hemingway. Oh, they still got to play Georgia. They got to go to Georgia. 
They got Louisiana Monroe in a non-conference game, and then, of course, they play the Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl will be in Starkville this year. So that Georgia game, I completely forgot about that one. That'll be tough. That will be incredibly tough. All right, so that's a look at the SEC. We went over the American Conference scores. We're going to get the national picture. When we return from uh, a quick timeout, we'll be joined by Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. Do want to tell you folks about Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, where you can dine in, carry out that drive-through, no-contact delivery. So simple to get those delicious ribs and pulled pork and all the great sides from Corky's. Uh, also, if you have an event coming up or maybe for a little tailgating, Corky's is perfect for tailgating. It's perfect for any type of event because they have been catering for about 40 years. When they came into existence, they said, we want to cater. We want to cater big events, small events, whatever events you have in between, we can do that. And they do that for as low as $8.99 per person. So, again, tailgating, Friday night high school football, whatever the case may be. College football, obviously, on Saturdays. Maybe just a little get-together watching NFL on Sunday. Corky's is perfect. When you go there and you have a lunch or dinner, you get yourself your entree, you can get a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99. Party packs start at just $7.49. And lunch specials every single day. If you don't want to go barbecue, they have an award-winning catfish plate. They have delicious tamales, even hamburgers, amazing desserts. The spaghetti is really good, and the rolls are the best that you get. The little side rolls are fantastic. Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. While you're there, pick up a couple of Corky's gift cards. And also, you can reserve their private party room. So you got a little birthday party, little anniversary. You want to get together at Corky's, enjoy yourselves. You can give them a call at either the Cordova or the Olive Branch locations and set up the date and the time to reserve their private party room. Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. Text or Texas says Alabama already has a loss, but that's non-conference. We're talking about it doesn't. Yeah, just conference. Te- Texas doesn't count as a conference loss yet. Next year it would. It's a half a conference. Next year it Next, would. This year it's a half a conference. That's a transition loss <laughs> this year, I think, is what how they would rule for James Madison somehow. But, no, it's not a conference loss yet. Barrett Salih is next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. It really was a fun Saturday at college football. You had the big clash in Columbus with Penn State and Ohio State. You had some major upsets, including North Carolina going down to Virginia. And then you had a bunch of close shaves. Oklahoma surviving, Texas surviving, Washington surviving, just to name a few. And here to talk about all of that as he is each and every Monday during the college football season, it's our friend Barrett Salee. It's time to talk some college football. Joining Greg and Eli is Barrett Salee from CBSSports.com, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM Radio. Here's Barrett Salee with Greg and Eli. Make sure to follow Barrett on Twitter at Barrett Salee. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Hey, Barrett. What's going on, guys? How are you? Doing good. Lots to talk about. First of all, I'll just make it general. What was your one biggest takeaway from the weekend of college football? 
Well, the biggest thing to me is that Ohio State can win in a variety of different ways, right? Yep. That was the Penn State Ohio State game was played exactly how Penn State wanted it to be played, and Ohio State played better. They they played Penn State football better than Penn State, and that's huge to me because we know what their offense is capable of, especially with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, healthy. Uh, they're going to get a Buka back at some point. The running back course rounding into form. The offensive line looked great, and the defense, that was a stellar performance. I mean, I, when you hold a team to one of 16 on third down, <laughs> you played elite defense. And that's, that's great. They can do that. We've seen that. But all they really have to be is adequate. So, to me, I know folks will say Ohio State, you know, whatever, they were sloppy, they were ugly. Well, yeah, that's exactly what they needed to show. If they showed that they were the regular old Ohio State with average to slightly below average defense and and, a, and an offense that can put up 40, great. Like, we know that. We know they can do that. But now we know they're a complete team. And so, to me, I think that was very important. The others, I, I, James Franklin, every year it seems like Penn, he's, Penn State's really, really good. But I just don't feel like I can ever trust them in those big games when they have to play the Ohio States and Michigans. No, they, they, I agree. I agree there. Um, you know, it's, I don't know if they get in their own head or if just to get, they get out talented. You know, to me, I think this year it's like James Franklin is trying to fit a square peg into a round hole with Drew Aller. But yeah, I mean, in years past, it's just they they try they try too hard. They get out of their comfort zone, um, and and it's it's a problem. It, it's a problem because and I said this on CBS Sports HQ afterwards because I was in Florida doing studio work. That if if not now, when yeah. for for James yeah. Franklin? Because okay, yeah, you you get out of divisions, you, you get out from underneath your. Um, your horrible real estate in, in the Big Ten West or Big Ten East, but now you have four new uh, you know programs coming in. Three of which, well, I wouldn't say USC. Two of which, Oregon and Washington, are you know top ten teams right now, top ten caliber teams, national championship caliber teams. While the, the other two, USC and UCLA, barely top twenty five teams, but still are good. Um, so it's it's concerning. There's no doubt. Michigan comes into. Penn State two weeks from now, I think, off the top of my head. I, if they if Penn State loses and loses convincingly, convincingly to Michigan, should they even be considered for a New Year's Day game? Because what uh, would yeah, they I mean, have the beaten? A two loss Penn State team, you know, it depends on available slots, obviously. But you know, a two loss Penn State team would probably still be in the top ten based on where those losses are. Um, who, top 10, who, top have they beaten? who have they beaten? Well, I mean, yeah, I understand that. But, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, well, I mean, this is going to sound, I mean, you're, you're going to laugh at this, but that would mean they have wins over Maryland. Hey, that's my school. That's my school. Rutgers but is I, bowl, I, I still Rutgers laugh at is that. bowl eligible and yeah. Maryland's Maryland. Like, I, uh, and look, I, we can all laugh about uh, whatever, but, you know, resume wise, those teams are going to have decent resumes. Okay. You know, they, they're going to, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're, they're worth anything, but based on what they've done this year, the committee's going to like them. I, I guess my I guess my point is this, and and sorry, Eli. I guess my point is this, and Penn State not as bad as Wisconsin, but every year we pencil these guys in as top ten teams. Wisconsin's like automatically in the top twenty five preseason. Automatically, they were again this year. They they suck. Yeah. They're terrible. Penn State's not terrible, but they can't beat the big boys. They can't beat Michigan and Ohio State. And so no, and I they, love James Franklin. I he should have been the Maryland coach at one point. So I do like that guy. But I, I'm just like beat somebody for goodness sakes. Okay, beat somebody. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. The um, 
I'll admit, I have not watched Virginia play much this year. I did watch the season opener against Tennessee when they looked terrible, and Tennessee just did whatever they wanted against them. I know they had only beaten William and Mary to this point. No, they played some close games in the ACC, but how in the hell does North Carolina lose to them? Yeah. I wish I had an answer for you. <laughs> I, like, I, I was dumbfounded when I kept seeing that. So I'm like, okay, at some point, North Carolina is just going to pull away from them. I, I, I'm so stunned by that outcome. I look, <laughs> I am too. I am too. It's. Uh, I, I wish I had an explanation. You know, and I guess I guess the way to explain it would be that Gene Chizik just hasn't hasn't necessarily adjusted because he said he. Look, before the season, Gene Chizik said his defense, he, he, he let the team down, and he was going to adjust to the new age of college football. And maybe he just hasn't done that consistent, consistently. I I don't know, but it wasn't Drake May's fault. I just, of all the upsets, that one, I just could not, I could not, but I still can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, for North Carolina, look, North Carolina's always, good for one of those, you know, losses each year, you know, even if they're a national championship contender or, you know, in previous years, a division championship uh, contender. Um, now, now we don't have divisions, obviously, but even in the past, they always seem to have that one. But I had no intention of guessing that it would have been the Virginia game. <laughs> no, it, like, yeah, the Duke game even, Clemson. What, like, it was never a thought. Like, it, with, with what they had on the line, like, to continue an undefeated season to lose that game. Who's at a, who's going to end up playing Florida State in the ACC championship That was championship going game? to be my question, yes. who Who's going to survive that gauntlet? Duke. <laughs> Again. But if Leonard's out, I mean, I... Can, I well, we saw against Florida State. We saw if Leonard's in, how They're competitive good. they were against Florida State, right? And then when he yeah. went out, they brought in that other quarterback. He wouldn't even throw the ball. I mean, I don't even know what was going on in that one drive. Well, and there was that one. There was that one drive too, where Leonard wanted to come back in, yes. and <laughs> and uh, Elko wouldn't let him. It went three and out, and Florida State scored a touchdown on the next drive, and right. that was it. So you know, I, I don't want to make excuses for Duke, um, but if Leonard would have played that drive. It might have been different. Yeah, you know, I hear, it, it I hear. might have been different. The the Louisville Duke game this week becomes huge. <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about basketball. basketball. Is the basketball season starting? And I'm not talking about basketball. Oh, okay. We're talking about right, football. Right. Louisville Duke is a huge game to possibly decide in the, somebody who plays for the ACC championship. It, I mean, it might. It, there's no doubt that it might be that way. I, to me, I just I still think it's Duke. Um, you know, two losses, the one was Notre Dame. I mean, that defense is still. Pretty darn solid. It'll travel. And if Riley Leonard's there, you know, we saw what they're capable of. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's a rematch. It certainly is not going to be Clemson. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. In the Big 12, advance and win, right? Or win in advance, excuse me. Win in advance. Win in advance. And that's exactly what Oklahoma and Texas did, but barely as Oklahoma holds off UCF and Texas beats Houston. I was actually listening to the Texas-Houston game on the bus with the Tigers, Memphis Tigers coming back from Birmingham. And Houston has the ball in the red zone late. And they decide to throw a pass on a fourth and short to get the first. I don't even understand what happened there, but Texas ends up surviving that game. Now you have Quinn Ewers, who is going to be out. Ewers was out at that point of the game. How much will this affect Texas the rest of the way? Well, I think it's big. Obviously, I think the offense has to change because, you know, Quinn's sort of a gunslinger and, and Malik Murphy is 
sort of the Cam Newton-ish kind of kind of body type. They're going to probably have to do more of, of that with Malik Murphy, you know, running up the middle, zone read, um, you know, slow mesh type stuff. I think that's, that's kind of where the offense is headed. Um, and, and look, Texas, the defense, you know, maybe didn't show it against Houston, but the defense is pretty solid. And I think right now um, that, that would be – where they would have to go is they'd have to adjust because they obviously have a great running back team, especially with Murphy um, joining in. Um, and then the, the receivers, you know, all you got to do is find one or two. And Malik Murphy has been, they, they, they've been really complimentary of, of Murphy over the course of the, the entire off season. Maybe that was a little bit to keep him around and not transfer, but there's uh They'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. And and getting to, to Arlington to play Oklahoma again, I think that's still uh, going to happen. But it, it certainly puts a dent in their race, their their chase for a national championship and a college football playoff spot. I feel bad for Murphy because if he struggles at all, you know everybody there wants Arch Manning. Sure. Yeah, but I don't think Stark cares. No, he doesn't. But I just you feel know, bad I, for Murphy because he's in that situation. Like he's clearly the backup quarterback, but everybody now wants Arch Manning to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I know that there was that talk what in spring that Arch might leave because Quinn was named starter in spring practice, and you know there was this chance of they said that he Arch isn't going to redshirt. Well, Arch is going to redshirt. I mean, I, I think it's clear from what we've seen and how they've operated that that Arch is going to redshirt. That's that's plan A, um, but if if Malik Murphy struggles, you can go to plan B. You know, this is there's no doubt that plan B is is Arch Manning at this point. Um, it's not ideal. I, I think the plan all along was to make sure Arch was ready to go for the move to the SEC. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough for Murphy. I feel bad for him too because you know <laughs> any mistake, any mistake, any dumb decision is going to be magnified because. There's a Manning standing on the sideline. Barrett Salee joining us as he does every Monday from CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, Sirius XM College Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at Barrett Salee. We were talking earlier about the Dan Enos firing. If Sam Pittman survives, and with his contract, he probably will, probably. If he survives, who makes sense to bring in if they can get whoever you have named uh, for the offensive coordinator position for next season? Can they bring Kendall Browns? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, this is so tough. It's so tough. You know, I, I think right now the marriage between Dabo and Garrett Riley is on the rocks, right? Mm. Why not go after Garrett Riley? Because you need Texas. He knows Texas. Yep. You, you need to recruit that area. He knows it. He's a Midwestern guy. You know, obviously he's got you know success at a bunch of different places. I would, I would push hard. Because I, I think that Dabo would be okay with Garrett walking out the door, right? And that would be a perfect fit for a program that is in a really tough spot. Because if we talk about how, if not now, when? I mean, that's Arkansas right now. You had KJ, you had Raheem Sanders, you have an ultra dynamic defensive front. You upgraded that defensive coordinator, and you were pretty pretty average this year, which is a massive step forward. And then now you have Texas and Oklahoma coming in and you don't have division, you know? So you're talking about Arkansas at best being maybe a seven and five, eight and 14 pretty much every year at best. You got to do something to make yourself unique. And if you get the Garrett Riley that you had at TCU, 
that would certainly, I wouldn't say make you unique, but mm-hmm. it would, it would help, it, it would help sort of from a geographical standpoint. It would help the recruiting base. And I think we know what kind of offensive coordinator he can be when he is allowed to do what he wants. I like that name. That's a, that's a good one. Do, do you see, do you believe Pittman survives this year? Yes. Yes. I just, to me, look, Arkansas is not the most rational administration, a rational community in general. Exactly. Um, I love you, Arkansas. I really do. That's a compliment, not a, not an insult. Um, if they were to make a move the same year that Texas and Oklahoma come to the SEC, that would do far more damage. I don't care who you hire. That would do far more damage. Now, if you get into next season and it's not working and you need to get rid of Sam, okay, fine. It's a horrible situation all around, but okay. But you cannot make that decision when Texas and Oklahoma are coming in because at that point you're putting yourself willingly in a – in a hole that is going to take a long time to dig out of no matter who you mm-hmm. hire. So, yeah. yeah, I think he survives. Um, I always say you're one, three, and nine season away of getting, from getting fired in the SEC. Not necessarily every time. And this is a case where maybe it's the exception to the rule. Did Iowa get screwed on that invalid fair catch call? All right, so Tom and I talked about this on, on SiriusXM yesterday for a long time. Uh, by the letter of the law, yes. Okay, like by the letter of the law, yeah, he was waving his hand. Um, you know, it, 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 technically, yeah, it was a fair catch call. But there has to be some some thought into the spirit of the rule. There isn't a person on the planet who thought he was calling a fair catch, mm-hmm. right? Like not a person on the planet, not anybody in the stands, not anybody on TV, not anybody on Minnesota's sideline. I mean, we were even watching the replay thinking they were just reviewing whether he stepped out of bounds. Right. Um, so should you consider that like the spirit of the rule? I mean, you, you could argue both ways, but I mean, yeah, they got screwed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on, you can't call that. No, I'm with you. There, there was the spirit of the rule in the NFL with my Colts on a, on a ball that was thrown almost in the stands and they called pass interference. I mean, uh, if you were 80 foot tall, you couldn't have caught that thing. But again, I guess yeah. letter of the law, you know, it's the, the guy was, was holding him. But you're right. I mean, it's just sometimes you got to use common sense. But uh, then again, I can understand where officials go, no, we got to go by the letter of the law. It's in the rule book. And they'll tell you they have to. And they, that's the thing. Is exactly. That, is that they'll tell you they have to. And I think part of that is they also get judged by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, is their, that is their paycheck, right? Like that's. If, if they are evaluated, if, if those officials are evaluated, I don't know mechanically who makes that call. Maybe it's a side judge, whatever. If they get graded and evaluated on that, it's not going to it's not going to go their way, right? Right. So I understand letter of the law, but I also understand these are human beings and they'd like to keep their part time jobs at an elite level. You know, so it's 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 more complicated than oh they just missed it. You know, that's not that's not really. It's a little bit more nuanced. I always feel sorry for officials who have to work Iowa games anyway. So I, I just, I give them, uh, yeah. they should get hazard pay. If you work at Iowa yeah, games, right. there should be hazard pay. Right. Finally, some action, you know, some action, they call it back. So it is what I can is. understand where they just assume it's a fair catch because what the hell? Why would Iowa, like, why would there be points scored at Iowa games? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ, and Sirius XM College Radio. You can follow him on Twitter 
at Barrett Salee and catch him every Monday talking with us right here on Sports 56 Mornings. As always, Barrett, thanks. We will uh, talk again next Monday. Good stuff, as always, from Barrett. Oh, I was off this week. I can't wait to see what the next over-under is. They're going to have to get into the 20s. They're going to have to go into the 20s for over-unders in college football games. (laughs) That's how bad it is. They're, oh my goodness gracious. I don't know how you, I don't know how, fa- they're poor fans. They're poor fans. How many games in a row that. is the under now with the Iowa game? Because you let that thing ride. Uh, well, I know they went over one earlier this season because that was when they scored with 30 seconds to go to try and keep Brian Ferentz's job. Right. But hasn't it been about four or five straight games now? Oh, yeah. I, Where they've sure. gone under? Yeah. They haven't been out of the 20s, <laughs> I don't think, in the last four or five games. Just they, crazy. They, 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 it's It's just crazy. Every game, like you can't set an over-under low enough. I mean, it, you'd think 30 is about as low as you can go, especially for teams who still actually believe in the forward pass, theoretically. <laughs> How good is their damn and, defense, though, I want to know. And yet they still, every game is in the 20s. Yeah. East Coast Wings and Grill, folks. The Grizzly season will be getting started this week. Of course, if you're not going down to the game, want to watch the game, well, you can head over to East Coast Wings and Grill to do that and uh, watch all of the action from college football, NFL, Grizzlies, Tigers, whatever's on. They've got the games on and all their TVs in there. You can enjoy some great food and drink while you're there. 60 different flavors of wings to choose from, plus all kinds of other great items on the menu from their flatbreads. I had the Philly cheesesteak flatbread there on Saturday when I was up there watching a little football action. Of course, uh, the sandwiches, the burgers, all that stuff. All absolutely fantastic on the menu at East Coast Wings, plus 24 draft beers on tap, anything else that you want, plus a great staff to take care of you as well. East Coast Wings and Grill, located just off Highway 64. That's on Kate Hyde Boulevard, which runs right between Lowe's and Walmart there off Highway 64. Easy to find, great food, great drinks, great place to watch all the games at East Coast Wings and Grill. Got some interesting notes from college football coaching that I'll get to when we return. Final segment in hour two. Hour three, we'll talk a little Grizzlies with Dennis O'Connor. Of course, we opened the show with the devastating Stephen Adams news. And then we'll get into the NFL Week 7. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back. 8.51 the time. Coming up in hour three, we're going to talk with Dennis O'Connor, Grizzlies Vice President, Ticket Sales and Services, and then we'll get into the NFL Week 7. What a weekend it was in the world of sports with the college football and NFL taking center stage, but certainly the Major League Baseball playoffs, incredible. Game 6, Phillies, Arizona this afternoon. Game 7 between the Astros and the Texas Rangers. That'll be tonight. And, of course, the NBA season begins tomorrow. The Grizzlies begin on Wednesday against the Pelicans and that uh, devastating Stephen Adams news. Uh, So a couple of coaching uh, stats, numbers, that uh, Brett McMurphy and Chris Vanini uh, separately have put together that I thought was interesting. Uh, Alex Golish, who was with Josh Heupel last year, correct? Mm -hmm. It's in his first year as the head coach of the South Florida Bulls. USF is 4-4 and after their win over Connecticut. So first season for Alex Golish, he's 4-4. and 
equals Jeff Scott's win total over three years. South Florida won three games over three years with Jeff Scott as the head coach. I had no idea. Alex Golish already 4-4. Four and four. South Florida will be in Memphis in a couple of weeks to take on the Tigers. UConn, meanwhile, after last year when they looked like they were turning around, got to a bowl game, now they can't win a game. Yeah. They are 0 for at home, 1-6, and six, I believe, overall now. So Jim Moore Jr., it went from looking like he was turning the program around to still UConn football. He went from bonus, maybe extension, contract to hot seat. Through 67 games at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher is 43-24. and 24. Kevin Sumlin was 45-22. and 22. So Kevin Sumlin was two games better than Jimbo Fisher and made an, a lot less money than Jimbo Fisher. Kevin Sumlin, I've well, always thought was a good I, football coach. And I'm not here to defend Jimbo Fisher, what he's done there, but I will tell you, um, give Jimbo Fisher Johnny Manziel, I think he would have done all right. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Sumlin had a bit of an advantage in that contest. In that, but what got what cost Sumlin is once Manziel left, he then they went down. Like it was, he only won with Johnny Manziel. And when you have a, a program like that that has so many resources, so much money, uh, deep pocketed boosters, as soon as that drop happens, they're irate about yeah. it. They expected oh. to be to be at the top every year, and look where they are now. And it's only going to get tougher. And the thing, the SEC. If Kevin, someone, if it was, if that was all today's world, Kevin, someone, would have probably had another year of Johnny Manziel. <laughs> so he could have, because Johnny Manziel would have. I can't even imagine how much nil money Johnny Manziel would have been making at that point. He probably would have stayed another year of college because he would have been making more than he could have made in the NFL. I still, I still stick with what I said. I, I think Kevin Sumlin's always been a good coach. Um, Good football mind. Here's another one from uh, Brett McMurphy. Through 22 games at USC, Lincoln Riley, 17 and 5. 22 games, Clay Helton, 17 and 5 at USC. Clay Helton never got credit for doing really a pretty damn good job at USC. And then it was only a matter of who, who would they bring in to replace him. He was going to get canned. He's now at Georgia Southern. They're like 5 and 1. Clay Helton's a good football coach. Lincoln Riley has always had a great quarterback. Always had a great quarterback. I, I don't know how good a coach he is. USC got beat again over the weekend, if you missed this one. They got beat by Utah 34-32. The backup quarterback for the Utes. What's his name? Barnes? Is it Barnes? Yes, he was incredible. That's right. He was incredible. He's thrown around his body like it was nothing. I mean, he was getting slammed around. They've already announced Cam Rising will not play. He's out for the year. So Utah goes into Southern Cal. USC just got obliterated by Notre Dame, and they lose again. Now, most of it's because of the defense, I understand. But Caleb Williams, pedestrian game, coming off the horrible game against Notre Dame. So USC has its issues. Lincoln Riley, same record as Clay Helton through 22 at USC. And now there's people talking about that Caleb Williams should sit out the rest of the year. There's nothing for him to play for, all of this stuff. Although he's making a bunch of NIL money, and I don't know. I don't know what those contracts read and if he actually has to play to still get that money. But um, but it's a, it's a different world in college football now for these guys when you say, oh, just make a business decision, sit out. Well, there's there's business <laughs> considerations to to sit out. I hate hearing that. I, I really do. And I, some people think he's going to stay for another year because he's going to make so much money. And he doesn't want to play for the teams that are going to be picking up high anyway. Well, I, I hate that 
Yeah, if you're making, which he is, a lot of NIL money, I would make sure that if I was the mo- I was the one giving the money, like for my company, that he played the full season. Or I would deduct money off of that. I would have to have a contract with him that stated that he plays in this amount of games. Because it makes no sense if he leaves halfway through the season and he's not a part of the USC program anymore. I don't think he'll leave. I don't know. I don't know the guy. But as far as Caleb Williams is concerned, you know, now everybody's jumping on his case. You know, oh, he's a big, he's a very good quarterback. He's going to make a lot of money in the National Football League. I don't know how good he'll eventually be, but he's a good quarterback. I just don't think he's as good as people say he is. I mean, there are people saying he's like a generational quarterback. He's the best thing we've seen in 20 years. Stop it. Stop it. I don't think he's the best. Michael Penix, I would take Michael Penix in the draft over him, Drake May, anybody else. Not that Caleb Williams won't be good, but I don't even think he's the best quarterback in this class, let alone the last 20 years. Would you rather have Caleb Williams or C.J. Stroud? Look at Stroud, what he's doing with the Texans. So we, we kind of jumped the gun a lot on whether somebody's great or somebody's horrible. He's certainly not horrible, what we've seen lately. He's had a couple of bad weeks, two weeks ago especially against Notre Dame. But he's a very good quarterback. But as far as Lincoln Riley is concerned, I just don't know how good a coach he is. He's always had a Heisman winner or a Heisman candidate quarterback pretty much for his career at Oklahoma and now at USC. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he's a big part of those guys being Heisman candidates and it, Heisman winners. Is he? His offense is, yes. Yeah, but I mean, again, is he that good a coach? He's an offensive mind who has the, the material to be able to have productive games because he has these great players chicken and egg thing right you get the, did he get the players because of who he is or is is it the other way around you know he he's been made from the players or he makes the players with his system i just don't know if he's that great a coach and here's usc out of it now they're out of contention we also had washington i don't know what was going on with arizona they are driving and then who's it dillingham the coach at Arizona State makes that decision to go for pick six, telegraph pass, and the rest is history, and Washington earns the victory. Yeah, for Washington to put up 15 points in that game is weird. Penix did not have a... No. Is there, at this point, I'm not sure anybody really wants to win the Heisman this year. I don't know. I don't know. Like there are, there are, uh, Every time, you know, there, there's enough bad weeks out there that I don't know. It's going to be an interesting race over this last, you know, six weeks as far as the Heisman is concerned. And it also shows, again, no matter who you're playing within your conference, teams are going to be, they're going to be up for you. They're going to be ready to go. Bad teams are going to be ready to go. We, we saw it throughout football on Saturday. We saw UCF's not a terrible team, but they're not great in their first year in the Big 12. They almost won in Norman. Can Houston almost beat Texas? Washington easily could have lost to Arizona State. These teams get up for the big boys. No question. Not all of them, but a lot of times they do get up. Now, can they go 60? Can they sustain it for 60? More than likely they can. All right, we'll take a timeout when we come back, talk some Grizzlies with Dennis O'Connor. Then we'll get into the NFL. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.